Hello. Hello. I'm Casey. I'm Sarah. And we are Relatively Relatively Dark. Dark. We're both tired this morning. Yes. Morning. That was not a word. What do you say? Mor- I don't know. Morning. <laughs> I'm tired this morning. <laughs> I think I left out the eye. Anyway, so we are going to talk about the murder of Don Magyar. Magyar. M-A-G-Y-A-R. Magyar. Yes. Gotcha. I said it like I don't know how many times in my head. It still don't sound right. So Magyar. Magyar. Okay. My two main references for this episode is a book called The Murder of Don Magyar, but it's also um, got a collection of other true crime stories. Gotcha. And I actually got a lot of my information from newspaper articles from the Argus Press that covered this story. I love finding original newspaper articles. Yeah, this took place in 1973, so that was really neat, and I'm going to have links to all those, so... Yes. Which I probably didn't even find all of them either, because whenever I searched, it didn't pull up all of them, and I actually searched through more and found more, so there's a lot. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, we are going to start with a little bit about her. She was born Dawn Lee Swan. She was born March 28th in 1952 in Michigan. The newspaper article that I found said that she was born in Owasso. Okay. But the book said that she was born in Corona or Corona. I don't know how to say that. I tried. I don't know exactly where she was born, but it was somewhere along that area in Michigan. Uh, she graduated from Corona <laughs> High School in 1970. She liked making her own clothes and she liked country music. Her parents were Ralph and Eleanor Swan. Uh, throughout high school, she dated a man. Well, high school I don't know if you call him in a boy named Donald Magyar and they called him Don oh okay so her name's Don yeah Don um, and Don funny I was reading this whole story and I didn't that didn't click until I started typing up my notes <laughs> Don and Don anyway I thought that was funny <laughs> so they dated throughout high school they got married on January 16th 1971 they moved to Chesaning Michigan they were married for two years and they had a son. His name was Donald Jason, I think. So, another Donald. So, Don and Don and Donald. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, at the time of this story, um, their son was one year old. She was about 20 years old at this time. Um, she's described as five foot seven. She was around 120 pounds. She had dark blonde hair and blue eyes. The day of January 27th, 1973, Don went to go shopping in Owasso. While her husband stayed home with their son. Okay. She never came home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her husband and her father-in-law, his father, which is also named Donald. <laughs> a senior, junior. They reported her missing, I think, that day when she didn't come back. So, these are just things that the police had found out when they started looking into stuff. Or just maybe even that family knew. Okay. For that day. Um, she had car trouble on her way to go shopping. Um, She stopped at a gas station, and she called her father-in-law to ask him if she could borrow his truck. Uh So, she goes over there to borrow his truck. She had shopped at the Yankee Plaza in Owasso, and the truck was found there. 
Some of her keys were found in the floorboard of the truck, and some were found in the parking lot outside the truck. Some of them? Yeah. That's weird. So, I guess, like, keychains. Maybe they broke. I don't know. Maybe it was. I think I maybe read that one key was found there, or one was found on the parking lot, but... Hmm. Different sources, different things. Strange. So, in the seat of the truck, there were groceries and other bags, too. So, she had at least been shopping. So, she She made it there and made it in and out. Yeah. Um, well, she didn't just go to one store either. Yeah. Like it was a like shopping center or a strip mm-hmm. mall or something. Um, some of the items in there were men's and babies' clothing. Aww. Um, so foul play was like automatically suspected. Yeah. Because she didn't run off. Why would she be buying them clothes? Right. And plus, based on other people's accounts of her, yeah, she, she wasn't, just wasn't the type like of that. person right. to do that. Um, there was a friend of hers named Janice Simpson. She had seen Dawn at the supermarket that day, and she had talked with her for a bit. Everyone that was interviewed couldn't give any information that was useful. No one saw anything or knew anything. Detective that was in charge of the case was Bartram Barnes. He's called Bart in the book. (laughs) All of the newspaper articles, he's called Bartram. So I'm going to call him probably Barnes. But anyway. That's such a fancy name. Bartram. Hello, I'm Bartram. Yeah. I thought That's I've how never, I would introduce myself never every it. time. <laughs> <laughs> so the sheriff had asked for help with a search for her, and about 4,000 people showed up. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yes. And this was one of those small towns. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens here. Never would have thought. They like always, always are. Yeah. So 4,000 people showed up and helped search for Dawn. They searched an area of 15 miles and came up with nothing mm. again. And this search was held on February 3rd. Okay. So, six weeks later, on March 4th, Wayne Summers, according to the newspaper, he was nine years old. According to the book, he was 11. So, somewhere between that age. His older brother, William, who was in his 20s, were walking around their farm. Oh, no. And their farm was actually woods. They were either tapping trees for sap or checking sap levels. Okay. Wayne, the little boy, uh, found Dawn's dead body. Oh, no. Um, And he had said, I could see the jacket and the legs of a woman lying on the ground. So, he found it. William, the older brother, called the police and reported it. Um, Things that people said about Dawn. She is basically the girl next door. A man that had went to school with her, Tony Hornis, had said she was just a sweet girl, very personable, very kind. Um, Of the murder, he had said it was a shock created an underlying fear factor. And I thought that his testimony or whatever um, was kind of interesting because he was the editor of the Argus Press, which is the newspaper mm-hmm. that I got some information from. This information from, and he actually wrote most of the articles that covered this. That's interesting. Yeah, he went to school with her. He knew her. He was editor of this paper and covered a lot of the stories. Detective Barnes had said she had been walked into the woods. There were no drag marks. Her right arm was curled behind her where somebody had had hold of her. Mm. Um, her undergarments were gone. She had been shot twice in the head and once in the back. Dang. And she had been raped. Mm. And she was found not far from where the search in February had stopped. I feel like that always happens. It's always like they were found 20 yards yeah. from where this person had just searched the day before or whatever. Which I don't guess it would have mattered much. 
because yeah. I mean she was she's dead then. But if anything else, it would have kept a little boy from finding her. Yeah, or just sooner, you know, mm-hmm. anything. Sooner is always better than later. So exactly. Um, Wayne Summers, possibly when he was older and recounting this, he had said it would seem nearly impossible to arrive there, you know, on his family's farm um, after dark unless you knew in advance that you were coming. So this implied that whoever it was knew the area. Yeah. So they were thinking that it had to be someone from around the neighborhood or that lived close by. So they interviewed more people during out, during out. (laughs) I was like, what? I was going to say throughout this process and during this process. (laughs) Throughout this process, they interviewed people multiple times too and nothing ever came of anything so far. They talked to one man who apparently had a crush on Dawn. They had talked to another man in the community that was supposedly having issues in his marriage. Um, everything was a dead end. Nothing it came. It reminds me of Betty O'Brown. Yeah. Just nothing. Yep. Um, they ended up getting DNA from a vaginal swab from Dawn's body, but they couldn't do anything with it. Yeah. 70s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what they knew. Detective Barnes said, we had blood type from the suspect. We had the fact that she had been shot with two Remington Peters twenty two long rifle shells and one Winchester long rifle shell. Mm-hmm. They knew the type of bullets that were used that and what brand they guns? were. No, um, not necessarily because um, I, I looked it up because I don't know anything about guns. Um, they're I mean, just they different. Have two different kinds. Yeah, but... they're just different brands of shells. Okay. So, but they're all the same type. So they had the type of gun and bullet, and they had the blood type. Of what the suspect would be. So, but not really any DNA. They were a little while away from that. Right. Either June 9th or 11th, depending on your source, of 1974. So, we're over a year later. Yeah. Um, there were boys playing in the Shiawassee River. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think I got it right. Which, that's actually the name of the county that this is in, too. But... Okay. Um, this river is just a local river. They were playing in this river, and um, one of the boys had stepped on something that he knew wasn't a rock. Uh-uh. So he bent down, and he picked it up, and it ended up being a gun. Mm. And it was a Rome twenty-two caliber revolver. It was in really bad shape. It was really rusty. Supposedly had been there for over a year. I was about to say, had it been there for over a year? <laughs> we just knew it was in, at the, or we, they just knew at the time that it was it was not functioning. It was really bad. Right. Whatever. <laughs> Words are hard, okay? <laughs> anyway, because of the shape it was in, they couldn't get any fingerprints or anything like that. Um, but the serial number on the gun was still legible. I thought you were going to say it was scratched off. And nope, it good. was there. Uh, Detective Barnes worked with the gun, and he was able to get the chamber open. There were three used shells and three unfired. And these shells matched the bullets that were found at the crime scene. Okay. So... They speculated that this was the gun that was used to kill Dawn, but they didn't really have any other proof. Right. So. Just the fact that it was possible. And it matched. Yeah. I mean, that's it. But then we get to the serial number of the gun. I was wondering. I was like, please (laughs) tell me. They could. Okay. Detective Barnes, once again, he's just adamant. It wasn't just him, I guess, but the whole police force. They traced the gun with the serial number. They found out it had been made in Germany and made its way to California. Then to a pawn shop in Arizona. Mm-hmm. But the owner of the pawn shop had moved all the way to Panama City, Florida. So they went to talk to him. I don't know if they went there. Well, call him, I guess. I don't. I guess I you don't. could call him. 
they contacted him. Somehow he still had the documents that showed that he had sold that gun to a man named Robert Shaw in 1965. Uh-huh. Where's Mr. Shaw? Well, he wasn't where they were hoping he was. He no longer lived at the address that was on file when he purchased the gun. And in the 70s, they used phone books uh-huh. to track him down. <laughs> yep. They met with some men named Robert Shaw, um, but none of them were the right one. None of them knew anything of the gun or anything. So, once again, nothing. Big bunch of nothing. Big bunch of nothing. So, now we're going to go almost another two years. Oh, my Lord. This is August 26th, 1976. On the other side of the same river, Shiawassee River, there were some more... Moy boys. There were some more boys. There were some more boys uh, playing in the river. They were swimming, and they had found Don's wallet. But uh, the thing had been there for like three years almost, probably over, yeah, over three years now. Uh. So they couldn't do nothing with that. They just knew that it was hers. With her wallet being found here and the gun being found a couple years earlier, they kind of pieced together what they thought had happened. Which was what? They presumed um, the killer had kidnapped Dawn at the Yankee Plaza, led her into the woods the next county over, and killed her there. Went back to Owasso, tossed the gun on one side of the river, and her wallet on the other, probably thinking that everything was so spaced out, nothing would be able to be connected. Yeah. So, that was their theory. Makes sense. But, couldn't do anything. Of course I didn't. Detective Barnes ends up retiring in 1979. So this is eight, about eight years af- after the murder? Is she was murdered in 1973. Oh, 73. So yes. six years. Yes. Um, Barnes had said, it always bothered me. There were other unsolved murders, but this one, a young mother, it just bothered me a lot more. He also felt like a killer had gotten away. Because he did. <laughs> yeah. And the case ended up going cold after that. Huh. We're going to fast forward. To 15 years later. Holy crap. Okay. 1994. The Michigan... Michigan... The Michigan... Michigan police assigned cold cases to Gail Tobin. She was a Michigan state detective at the time. She went through the old suspect list that they had in the 70s. Fresh eyes. Yeah. Um, And... But she also started testing the DNA. Yes. That was recovered... And saved from all those years ago. Because now the forensic technology is up there. Mm-hmm. You can get a lot more out of it. So she went through that suspect list. Got DNA samples, I guess, from all of them. Um, she eliminated all but two. Tell me more. So, 1998. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, 1998. Um, Tobin was replaced by Mark Pendergraft or Pendergraf. In the newspaper, it says Pendergraf, like G-R-A-F-F. I would go by the newspaper. Um, so, Mark Pendergraf replaces her when she gets transferred to another department. The newspaper said that she was promoted. So, well, that's good for her. Um, Stephen Harshbarger, Harshbarger, I don't know. Um, he was another detective that partnered with Pendergraf okay. to help. Um, the book never mentioned him, but he was mentioned pretty often in the newspaper articles. So, I felt like... He needed to be mm, acknowledged. Acknowledged, yes, thank you. Because apparently he worked really closely with uh, Pendergraf. Okay. Apparently Barnes never stopped working the case even after he retired. 
I didn't figure he did. No. Um, he still reviewed files. Um, he would take files home with him. I, mean, I think he was a well-respected man. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of detectives and stuff. They have that one case that sticks with them. Yeah, it had to have been. Um, he also checked in with the detectives and would review um, case files with them, too. Mm. While Pendergraf and Harsh Barger, they ended up eliminating those last two suspects. <sighs> yeah. They felt like finding Robert Shaw was the key to this. Mm-hmm. If it was going to be solved, they needed to figure out who this man was. Even if it's not him, they need to know what he did with that gun. Yeah. So, they start their search again for this man. They use a huge database this time that could track license plates. Mm-hmm. And they found 29 men with the name Robert Shaw. And they found him. Good. And at the time, he was living in Lansing. Is this in Michigan? Yes. Still? Okay. Yes. At the time of Dawn's disappearance, Robert had lived less than an hour away from Owasso. Mm-hmm. He was a truck driver at the time. He remembered buying the gun, but that was it. Oh, good grief. They run his DNA. It's not a man. Nope. He takes a polygraph. He was eventually ruled out as the killer. And he just has no idea what he did with his gun? Not at that time. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Um, some sources have said that this was years later, but I didn't find that in the ones that I felt like were credible. So, I don't know for sure, but he eventually recalled something that might help. Mm -hmm. Um, He had been married to a woman that either had an affair or just dated. I don't know if it was before or after. But he claimed that another man ran off with his wife. (laughs) So, um, this man was named Gerald Winjart. 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 W-I-N-G-E-A-R-T. Do with it what you will. Winjart. I'm going to say Winjart. Like heart. Okay, so after or throughout the um, investigation of looking into this man, here's what the police found out about him. Mm-hmm. In 1961, he had been in prison for rape. Hey, well, okay. that's something. Um, he was also, I don't know what time this was, but he was also had been a suspect in a murder investigation. He was let go because of how the evidence was obtained. Um, the newspaper said it was a police error. So I don't know, I don't know if it was intentional and they were just trying to cut corners, or if it was just an honest mistake that led to the yeah. stuff not being admissible. I mean, being it could have been contaminated, or they could have obtained it when they didn't have a search warrant. Blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, blah. so I don't know if it was um, like they knew better, or if it was just an honest mistake. But either way, they couldn't do anything with it. All of it was thrown out. Well, I would think, since he's been in trouble with law for murder and for rape, maybe he did this because she was murdered and raped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before all this, in 1960, he had had a son that had passed away, hmm. and his then-wife filed for divorce a year later. Not that that's excuse, but just a little bit about him. So, um, when people were interviewed about him now, about his character, Detective Pendergraf said, People saw him basically as a good person, someone who was friendly, a very intelligent person, an expert on computers. So, maybe they're thinking he turned his life around. You know, we changed. He's better. Yeah. Whatever. So. Which is possible. Yes. Completely. Um, Winjart now worked at a place called Daimler Chrysler in their payroll department, and he was married to his fourth wife. I didn't think to look to see if this was still in Michigan. I'm assuming it is, but I'm not sure where. Okay. Probably should have figured that out. My bad. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> say it at least once. Yeah. So, they wanted to DNA test Winjart. Exactly. I almost said exactly. This is not necessarily wrong. 
You're thinking, yeah, that's exactly, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they um, should. <laughs> the police didn't think that he would work with them if they asked him for a DNA sample. So they watched him and they waited for him to leave something that they could take. A straw. They ended up getting cigarette butts. Mm. <laughs> so they tested his DNA against the DNA that had been preserved. According to the newspaper, February 2nd, 2001, they got results that showed an extremely close match. Okay. The newspaper said that it was like 13 out of 13 markers that they needed. So how is that an extremely close match? How is that not a perfect match? If it has all the markers. I don't know. It wasn't everything. But it was like way past close enough to be considered a match. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I can't remember how many you have to have. But I would think 13 out of 13 is, you know, pretty good odds. I don't know how that still works. But anyway, with the match, they were still kind of afraid that it wasn't going to be enough after 30 years. Yeah. So they did some more digging. Dang, I forgot what you yeah. thinking. 30 years. Yep, 30 years now. Insane. So they did some more digging on this guy. They found out that Winjart had been visiting with a friend around Owasso in 1973. Mm-hmm. Um, they also noted that he apparently liked to just get a beer and drive around. That's not safe. So this makes Pendergraph think about Wayne Summers. What he had said earlier about knowing the area, he thought that this fit the situation because he thought that maybe he would drive around and look for places to dump bodies. Makes sense. You know, Wayne Summers originally thought that it had to be someone who was from around there. Yeah. Because you can't drive up into that area in their farm in the woods unless you know where you're going. Mm-hmm. If Winjar... He's just cruising. Yeah, he could have already been yeah, there before. already stumbled across it. And that's what Pendergraph was thinking. So, they end up questioning Winjart. He apparently said that he didn't know anything about Dawn. He wouldn't answer any questions without a lawyer. But at this point, since they knew that he was in the area at that time, they felt like they had enough at this point. So, on March 7th, 2001, they arrest him for murder. Uh-huh. And in November of that year, he goes to trial. Good. Yeah. If he did it. Bad if he didn't. <laughs> well, we'll find out. Um, Winjart was 60 years old at this time. And he is reported to have looked respectable and like a kindly grandfather. So, I don't know if that was maybe just trying to appeal, I don't know, to people. During the trial, people who knew Dawn back in 1973 had testified for her. Uh, Wayne Summers, now a grown man 30 years later, testified to his findings as well when he came across her body. Mm -hmm. Winjart's attorney was Vince Green, and he had said that the sex was consensual and may not have even happened the day that she was murdered. So he's like uh-huh. trying to say, yes, it happened, but doesn't mean that he killed her. Um, Anne Chamberlain, she was the forensic specialist that tested the samples after the case was reopened. Uh-huh. And she testified that the DNA sample from the vaginal swab was fresh at the time it was obtained. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they can tell like how. Indicating that if she was yeah. murdered, if she didn't have sex with the person who killed her, then it wasn't long after that. Yeah. And, you know, if he didn't know anything about her. Yeah. Yeah, he already said he didn't know anything about her. <laughs> yep. That's contradictory, anyway, sure. The trial went on for two weeks, people testifying and all that stuff. The jury deliberated for about eight hours. And not that long. No. Not for a murder trial, for sure. Nope. Um, Gerald was found guilty of the abduction, rape, and murder of Don Magyar. And he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. Yep. Steigener. Yeah, so um, I have some more quotes and stuff from family members 
a little bit about the trial and thoughts and feelings mm-hmm. of people. So I'm going to go over those. They're kind of like bittersweet. Yeah. So Dawn's mother, Eleanor, she wasn't at the trial, uh, but she was called right after the verdict. And she had said, tell everyone involved how thankful I am. And he will never hurt anyone again. Mm-hmm. Her father, Ralph, had passed away in 1988. Oh, that's awful. Never yeah. knowing, never having that answer. Well, I feel like... He did, he he did some, after. Somehow, but yeah. But he apparently... He yeah, he apparently would call at least once a week, sometimes more, to check on the progress of the case. And he had passed away from cancer. That's kind of sad. On a better note, her brother Larry, um, he was really emotional and grateful after the verdict. Um, there are a lot of news... A lot of newspapers. A lot of pictures in the newspaper articles. Um, I mean, you can just see how relieved they are. You know, it yeah. shows her family and the prosecution and prosecutors or whatever. I was, you know, I was like, what? <laughs> even the family and the prosecutors and stuff. So her brother said, I can't put into words how I feel right now, but I know that these people, talking about the detectives and the prosecutors, are magnificent. Hmm. Everything just fell into place. I just wish our dad was here to share in this day bittersweet yeah her then husband don um he had been remarried at this point him and his wife were not at the trial um don said that he wouldn't be able to emotionally handle a not guilty verdict i can understand that yeah it even talked about him and his wife you know following the trial and everything so yeah he was still very much he cared you know but he didn't i'm sure he did but i mean a lot of people can't yeah it's easier for him to just yeah, he didn't want, um, he didn't participate in a lot of interviews or anything. Um, he just wanted his privacy. Yeah, I don't want him for that a bit. Uh, he did talk to them after the trial and everything. There's a article that has a lot of what he has to say, um, but a couple more quotes from him. Uh, she was a beautiful person. She was my wife, and I loved her. In a way, I suppose I'm still in shock after all these years. Mm-hmm. But on a good note, he said, it's great, just wonderful. Not only is this guy going to pay for killing Dawn, a predator has been taken off the streets. He won't be able to do this to anyone else. Uh-huh. Now, Bart Barnes. When he heard about the arrest, he was ecstatic. After all the work he put into it, I guess. Yeah. But um, as soon as he heard about the arrest, he drove to the police station. You know, he wanted to witness it. And his wife had said that he was so excited that he didn't sleep much the night before. Aww. Yeah. Um, Barnes said that Pendergraph had told him that he was going to catch this guy before Barnes died. And he did. Yep. And after the guilty verdict, Barnes had said, now I can officially retire. Aw. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, he retired, but he didn't retire. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't retire from that case. Yep. This was a quote from the newspaper that was published on November 29th, 2001. This was after the guilty verdict and stuff. I just... I don't know, I feel like this really shows a lot about how much everybody cared about this. Mm-hmm. It said, uh, lead investigator Bartram Barnes and crime scene detectives Marvin Stone and Hugh Fish testified for nearly an hour and never once referred to an original report while restructuring the crime scene for jurors down to the most minute detail. They knew that case front and back. Yeah. Like the back of their so, head. Yeah, they were interested, they were invested, they cared. So, now I'm going to talk a little bit more about Gerald Win- Winjart. Winjart, whatever. Who yeah. cares how to say his last um, In 1979, um, this was before he was arrested, but after the murder of Dawn. 
Mm-hmm. He was actually charged with another rape and murder of a 16-year-old girl named Laura McVeigh. This was in Hubbardston, Michigan. The case was thrown out because... So he was charged with two. Yes. This Got away would have been with the it. third. Ugh. The evidence that the police gathered from his car was obtained illegally. Mm-hmm. Right? So he was, he was let go again. But all of these cases were leading people to believe that he was a serial rapist or killer. Well, yeah. So, but he wasn't convicted. He was of that one. But, and he didn't kill the first girl in 1961. That's called escalation. 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 Uh, But anyway, so there was that. Uh, There's an article about that. It goes into a lot more detail about that case too. Obviously, according to the police, their answer was yes. Yeah, (laughs) me too. In 2003, I agree, (laughs) uh, Winjart filed an appeal to overturn his conviction. In the trial, they had included his 1961 conviction of rape. He felt like the admission of that evidence was not really relevant to this case. I cannot stand when people (laughs) do that. Like, okay, I know I'm on trial for murder, but you can't talk about that time I murdered that other person. It was rape, but still. Yep. I know, but I'm just saying, like, well, an example. Thing is, that's the evidence. That's your character. You've done this before. Yeah. And my Hello. thing is that even without that, I think it was enough. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess he felt like it wouldn't, he wouldn't have been convicted if they didn't put that in there. I don't know. He thinks that that swayed the jury's decision. Yep. So, I think he's got balls to even try that. <laughs> yeah, he does. But um, there was actual court documents outlining this hearing i guess this appeal Mm -hmm. i pulled this from that uh transcript yeah it's sorry Mm -hmm. in a related argument defendant argues that prosecutorial misconduct denied him a fair trial we disagree (laughs) i just i couldn't help it i thought that nah bro yeah (laughs) that's what we disagree like no no we Uh, do not find that this is blah 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 blah. yeah i thought it was funny But anyway, um, he is still in jail. Good. He is in the Michigan Department of Corrections, and he's 81 years old now. And I'll post a picture. I'm going to post all the links to the newspaper articles that I used. In the show notes. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, I'll have pictures of Dawn. And Dawn. And Dawn. And Dawn. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad glad it was solved. Yeah. I was about to say, if you do to me what I did to you. With the first episode. I was. <laughs> you better not. <laughs> um, if anyone has ever heard of this one, I would like to know that. If that's not like a weird thing to ask. Because I found this like just thumbing through people who had been murdered in Michigan. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah. I picked a state, typed in murders in this state, and just found one that I thought was interesting. I couldn't really find any big articles or big, you know, shows that covered it. There was one, but I couldn't watch it. Yeah. But that's I the ones I it. like doing, though, is the ones that like their story isn't really told anywhere else. Right. I'm curious, kind of know if anybody had heard about it. You can let us know at relativelydarkpodcast at gmail.com. And our Instagram is relativelydarkpodcast. Yep. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I did. I felt like there were a lot of twists and turns. But it's solved. It is solved. Justice. Finally, as one of the articles said. Put a feather in your tongue. It said it wasn't denied, just delayed. I like that. Yep. All right, well, that's it. That's all I got. Thank y'all. See you next time. Thanks for listening. Yes, thank you. We hope you keep listening. Yes. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. See you later. It's going to be a thing now. (laughs)